0: Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Call your moms. You heard it from me. I've done my part. All right, see you guys. Hey, uh, my name's Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to invite you guys, if you have your Bible, to turn to Colossians chapter 1. And while you're going there, I'd like to kind of um, unpack a couple of, of things that are going on that uh, we've talked about before. We have coming up um, on uh, at the end of this month, May 28th, there is a special business meeting to owner, for owners. To vote on some proposed changes to our constitution. Um, and also we are accepting counsel, uh, nominations for our wise council. That's our elders. We've already had some folks nominated. So if you're an owner and you know somebody who's also an owner, uh, you can uh, go through that process on my E3 on our online community. So that will be great. Um, so I want to, uh, actually I had this thought of based on that video that Maybe I should cover myself in yogurt and call my mom and see if that's still okay. I think there's a cutoff point. You think so? That probably wouldn't work out so well. Um, so I just want to share a couple of things as, before we get into talking about our, our future. And uh, first of all, just a, a fun little tidbit that I picked up uh, yesterday. Uh, there was a big soccer game, the Premier League, uh, English League, and this was a screenshot that my son, my son follows Manchester City. And... Um, I just thought this was clever. Uh, next slide. Only in the beautiful game, only in soccer can Jesus substitute for Jesus. <laughs> so I thought, that was, uh, I thought that was pretty clever. Uh, let me show you some other things that have been going on in my life. Um, last Saturday, we had this big service project here at E3. I wanted to be with you, but I was instead down in Gainesville um, helping my oldest, my daughter, move into her first apartment. Um, and so she, uh, she sent us some pictures of what her apartment uh, looked like. She's subletting apartment with some other young ladies. So I drove down there and walked up you know, three flights of stairs multiple times. And it's so funny to do this from, you know, I mean, this, it's all new to me. You know, she's my oldest. Um, but it's, it's so, it's so uh, intriguing to me and poignant to me to move her and everything she owns fits into one car still. And I'm just like, wow. And then I think of like where our lives are and how much clutter and how much stuff we have. And just kind of looking at Emily and being like, you probably should enjoy this because everything you have fits in this one space. And soon, man, moving is going to be a beast. And so, uh, But it was, it was fun. And, of course, it was a little bit weird and, and odd to walk away from that apartment. A little bit different than a dorm, you know, just like walking away and knowing that that's her space now and, and that's a new era in her life and a new era in my life as a, as a father. So um, this, this uh, series, This Is Us, this really came out of a discussion with uh, Pastor Mark um, a couple months ago. You know, I still kind of go to Mark for some mentoring and some teaching just when I Feel stumped, and it's so great to have somebody who has been a lead pastor for so long, and then to have him in the community still, so I can say, man, I'm struggling with this thing, you know, and and uh, I sat down with him up at Red Eye Bannerman Crossings, and and I said, you know, man, I just can't figure out, I just can't figure out uh, what, what we should do, what we should talk about, the series we should do after Easter. I had Easter kind of mapped out, and was really feeling good about that, but I'm an I'm a intuitive person, and, and things have to feel right to me for me to just feel like, okay, it's locked in now. And I just had this unsettledness. And Mark just said, man, Eric, he said, I think, said, I think you just should tell people about your dreams. And he said, just separate yourself from uh, anything practical, which is hard for me because I'm a pragmatic person as well. So he's like, don't worry about the details. Don't worry about how to get there. Just tell people what do you dream about for E3. And so well I was like, well, if we're going to talk about that, we should probably talk about where we're at, uh, which we did last week, and where we were, how we got, how we got to now, and then now what the future is going to look like. And uh, just, just in case you guys weren't here last week, you know, as we talk about the future, um, there's a lot that we're navigating in our very short-term future, like over the next few weeks and few months, one of which, you know, if you were here last week, you, you heard that we're going to be sending Pastor Dan out to plant a church, um, and, and that, that time is coming right now, so the future is now, right? The future of E3, we are living in the future of E3 right now, but there's more out there that I want to unpack, and so I want to start with some, with some real basic images. Some of you guys, if you're new to our community, you may not have seen these. If you've been around E3 for a while, it may be a while since you've seen these, uh, we have a plan for this place. When we bought this facility, these are the architectural drawings of, of what our future and our present is going to look like. And, and just so you know, we, we did it in three phases. We had phase one, which we are in right now. Phase one involved essentially uh, beautifying the front retail space, making it rentable, making it appealable to get businesses in there. Because the whole point of buying this facility was to get renters in there so that we could basically figure out a way to bless the world, reach the world, but also offset the mortgage, right? just a little practicality there. Phase two, which we're not in, but we're hoping to move towards soon, involves abandoning, or not abandoning, but moving out of all of the retail space, moving all the church back here. So right now, the church offices are right over here. E3 Kids is right over here. Phase two, we want to move all that back here. So we're all under one roof and we free up more retail space. Phase three is essentially a build out of this space and a beautification of our parking lot. We're going to put a roundabout right in front, or the plan was to put a roundabout in the middle of our parking lot, a big awning, and then to move Red Eye from this uh, the north uh, space to the southern space where the office is and put a drive-through in. So... Like I said, we're in phase one right now. Phase one is wrapped up. We're living in phase one. We're anticipating phase two. And this is kind of exciting to me because I love space. I love beautiful spaces. I'm fascinated with architecture and design. Uh, But I want to spend some time talking about some other dreams. So we have these architectural dreams, but I have other dreams. And I, I spoke to you guys last week about this passage in Colossians that captured my my heart so many years ago. I want to read it for you guys again. Uh, This is the the picture of my job description for me, of what it means to be a pastor, a guy named Paul, early church leader. He wrote to a a small church in this uh, kind of Asia Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And he said, he is the one, and he's talking about Jesus, Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And then Paul says, to this end I strenuously contend with all of the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. So there's that phrase that, that, that Paul says, look, I, I teach people, I encourage people, I admonish people with every, every bit of wisdom I can muster So that, and I love the image, that he can present his church fully mature in Christ. You know, I always have this image of like, you know, if you've ever introduced somebody to somebody else that's really important. And and like you just say, hey, you know, um, like so-and-so, I want you to meet my, my, my parents. You know, and there's this idea of just like bringing somebody to them. And so Paul is saying here that he wants to present, I think, his church to God, as fully mature. And I want to dwell on that phrase because, as I said, that's my heart. My heart and my goal is that I I would present E3 to God as fully mature. God, Father, meet E3. E3, meet God. And be able to say, these folks are fully mature. Mature. And so, what I want to do is uh, last week I kind of mentioned that, that fully mature for the New Testament is, is a particular meaning. It, it's not age, it, is, it evokes certain things. And what I want to do is just dwell on that word because it's a powerful word in Greek. The Greek word for mature is teleos. Everybody say teleos. It's a really, really critical word in the New Testament. And it does mean mature, but not in an age sense. Teleos means complete. Teleos means it has reached the intended purpose for which it was created. Think about that. Other translations of the Bible render this word as perfect. Now, uh, it's used a few different times in the New Testament to great effect. One of the ways, if you know Jesus' teachings uh, at all, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, Jesus tells his listeners be teleos, be perfect. A lot of translations say, as your father is perfect. Anybody ever heard that verse? Be perfect as your father is perfect. Another way to say that through the Greek would be, be complete as your father is complete. In the context there, Jesus is talking about how you love. Do not let your love lack. God's love is complete and perfect. So Jesus says, be complete in love. The word is critical for us. And the more I thought about dreams, and the more I thought about, yeah, you know, there's this, there's this architecture thing, there's this phase two and this phase three thing that, that I really want to get to, because I love beautiful spaces. But the more I thought about it this week, the more I thought about, you know what, you know what I need to kind of sit with and kind of talk to you guys about is what does it mean to be complete. What does it mean to be teleos people? And so uh, I want to just kind of uh, throw out something because there's some critical questions that we need to think about. How do you know if you're teleos? How do you know if you're complete? How do you know if you're on the right road? How do you know if you're done? You know, right now, Shana and I are obsessed with the Great British Baking show. Anybody watch that? And uh, they always have them bake these exotic breads, you know, and the question is always. These people are kneeling in front of their ovens, and they're like, I just don't know if it's done yet. (laughs) I just don't know if it's done, you know, and and I'm not a baker, but, you know, you tap on it, or you stick the little rod in. There's all these little methods, but that's the question. How do you know when you're done? And I think, like, there's a couple errors you could fall into if you're a human being and you're a church person. Church people tend to tend to fall into the era of going like, I know I'm done. You know? Well, maybe not. Maybe ask your neighbor. <laughs> you know? Or you just go, man, I have no idea. I know I'm not done. I don't even know if I'm on the right track, right? And so what I want to do is uh, is is draw this out a little bit. And one, one, one additional way to think about it is like a ball, right? Um, this is a... I'm telling you this is a soccer ball. You recognize it probably as a soccer ball. It's got a label as a soccer ball. But there's something that's not right about this soccer ball, right? That's probably a little bit of a, a gap between what we know that soccer ball is and what function it can perform. So you can have the label of soccer ball, But if you're not sort of a complete soccer ball, this is an incomplete soccer ball. It needs something else, right, to make it fulfill its purpose. So if you turn over in your Bible, and this is an easy one if you're just learning how to navigate the Bible. Genesis 1, the first page of the Bible. Genesis 1, verses 26 28, uh, creation story. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So I want to suggest to you that the cool thing about living in the story of the Bible is that we don't necessarily need to, like, wonder what completeness looks like for a human being. You know, if you're sitting around and go, okay, if if we're called to be mature, and we're called to be complete, and we're called to fulfill a purpose, well, what does our purpose look like? Well, God gives us hints. And the first hint he gives us is in the first page of the Bible. We're created in God's image. All right? But I love the fact that there's more than that. He creates us in his image, and the text says, so that they may rule, basically over creation. So our purpose exists. We don't need to make it up. We have a label of human being, but there's a specific purpose that God says, okay, if you're going to be a full human being, you're going to be a true human being, you should Look like God in some form or fashion, not necessarily physically, but in terms of character and quality. And God says, also, you should be exerting some authority over creation. You're not created to just sit on your tails. You're not created to even go to church every Sunday. God says your purpose is to look like him and to essentially reign in creation. All right? That's what completeness looks like. It's more than just having the name human being or the title Christian. It is about saying, "Man, when I am complete, I will look like Genesis 1." Now, Genesis 2, second creation story essentially, verse 7. Amazing portrait of God intimately creating us. Then the Lord God formed a man, a human being, from the dust of the ground and what? Breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So God crafts this form and this shape. And then he reaches down. And he breathes his breath into it. And the human being comes to life. Now, the Hebrew word there is actually the word nephesh. Um, everybody say nephesh? It essentially means essence. It can, mean, it can mean wind, it can mean spirit. But the word, the words that, that are used through the Bible for wind and breath and spirit are very intertwined. So in Genesis 2, God breathes his air, breathes his breath, breathes his nefesh into human being. Later on, God's spirit, his breath, his wind is also called ruach. And then later on, the Greek picks up that word and the word is pneuma, the wind. And all of these Greek and Hebrew words can mean breath, they can mean wind, they can mean Spirit. So the form is called a human. But what does it take to bring the human to life? It takes... It's not, it's not a trick answer, I'm telling you. Robert, please, let me see that. Just in the same way, this is a ball and this is a ball. What is missing from this ball? Air. Air. When the air, or the breath, or whatever, when the air is inside this, it is fulfilling its purpose. Purpose one, it bounces. Without the wind, without the air, without the breath, this cannot be teleos. Do you understand? With the wind, with the breath, With the air, this can be mature. This uh, brings up all kinds of interesting questions to me. Uh, Some of you guys may have been here at Easter time a few weeks ago, and if you were there, you you remember that I was fascinated by, by the Gospel of John. And in John's gospel, if you remember, if you you don't, you can see the video, but just trust me on this. In John's gospel, John, the writer of the gospel, has a creation interest. Anybody remember this? And so John arranges his gospel with these constant allusions to the Genesis 1 story. And we talked about how John even lines up signs and miracles of Jesus so that there are, are six of them. And then on the, and on the sixth day, when, uh, God, uh, when God creates man in Genesis, on the sixth day in John, Jesus raises a man to life. And then we talked about how going into the seventh day, in Genesis 1, God says, the text says, God finished his work. And then Jesus is on the cross in John's seventh day in If you remember what Jesus says on the cross in John's gospel, he says, it is finished. And then we talked about how in the garden, there's this Genesis 2 thing going on with Jesus. Because Mary sees Jesus, but she doesn't recognize him. She thinks he's, remember, the gardener. And Adam's job title in Genesis 2 is what? A gardener. And John is constantly saying, hey, in Jesus, we have a new creation. In Jesus, uh, and and in Jesus' work and his life, death, and resurrection, God is starting creation again. In fact, so much so that, that Paul, in another letter to a church, he says, Jesus was the second Adam. He was Adam again, which was a really cool cult, 90s Christian alternative band. If you weren't there, I was there. Adam again. And listen to this. This is totally intriguing to me. So, John's gospel. All right, remember, Genesis 2. The form is there, and what does God do? He breathes his life into the form, and that animates it. Mary shows up in in John chapter 20. She thinks Jesus is the gardener. He's like, no, I'm not a gardener. I'm much better than a gardener. And then listen to what the text says in verse 21 and 22. His disciples come around him. Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he, what? Breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You think there's something going on there? I do. I think that language is, is intentionally arranged to say, look, just as God the Father breathed into this form and said, now the form can do what it's supposed to do. Jesus is saying, look, you will not be complete. You will not be able to, to achieve your intended form, your intended shape, your intended purpose in the life unless you have what? The breath the spirit, the ruach, the nefesh. So when I think about you guys and when I think about this church and when I think about the future, oh man, yes, do I want to get to phase two? Do I want to get to phase three? Absolutely, because it's going to be better for our kids. It's going to be better for our students. It's going to be better for you on a Sunday. But that's not my deep dream. My deep dream is for you to be teleos people. For you to be animated with the breath and the spirit of God in you. I dream of teleos people. That's my deep dream. And so what do teleos people do? If Jesus is like the second Adam, and if Jesus you could say then, Jesus is the picture of of what a complete human being does and is. Well, then you could read the Gospels and you could say, well, I guess teleos people do a few things. Because Jesus and therefore teleos people relentlessly but warmly invite people into the kingdom. What's our job description from Genesis 1? We're supposed to reign and look like God. And Jesus says, I got a kingdom. And I want you to be a part of it. And to the degree that you become a teleos person, you will wander this earth Looking for people to say, you should be a part of God's kingdom. And never relenting. But don't put signs on the corner. Don't be a pest. Be warm about it. Tell us people will also, um, they will also learn to daily trust the Father. Jesus didn't like say at this baptism, okay, God, thanks for calling me the beloved. I got this. I'll see you at the cross. Daily, Jesus' daily life was one of constant abiding in his Father's presence. Telios people also are increasingly compassionate. You ever read the stories of Jesus as he goes through his ministry? He sees the hurting and he goes to them or he calls them to himself. And as we grow into maturity, our compassion level, let me tell you, should be going up, not down. We should see more and more people, whether they look like us or don't, whether they hold our beliefs or don't, and our hearts should go out to them because that's what the second Adam did. Teleos people also uh, can balance the high call of discipleship versus the lavish love of God please understand me, this same Jesus, he's the guy that says, look, if you want to follow me, pick your cross up and follow me. That's a high cost of discipleship. But he also says, blessed are those who mourn. So for Jesus, he can navigate this, look, God loves everybody, period, end of statement. But if you follow God, Do not be surprised if he comes at you and says, you know that, that thing that you say is off limits, that's the thing I want you to lay down. But Jesus doesn't get hung up on one side or the other. He says, God loves everybody, but following can take you places you did not anticipate going, amen? Teleos people are not afraid of Gethsemane moments. Jesus' story Right before his crucifixion, he says, God, take this cup from me. I don't want to suffer necessarily, God, what I'm about to suffer. Take it from me. And God says, no. Jesus, you have to go through this. Teleos, people who are filled with the spirit and intent and and fulfilling their purpose, they will hear no from God. And they say, your will, not mine. They're not afraid of losing. You know? And I just wanna pause here for a second because sometimes I think that as we grow older, as I grow older, let me just talk about me for a second. As I grow older and I get a little bit more wisdom and I see a little bit more life in my rearview mirror, I become convinced that I can win most arguments. And there's some kind of strange phenomenon that without Jesus, without the spirit, without the breath inside me, I will become more attached to getting my way, more attached to my desire to be right. And Gethsemane says, hey, losing ain't so bad. And I go, okay, I can lose. And then lastly, uh, teleos people, they're not afraid to take that cross up daily because they know that only surrender can bring about resurrection. See, for, for, for spiritually mature people, Losing is winning. It doesn't make losing hard or any easier. But they know that, look, the pattern of life with the second Adam is that he died before he rose again. And so if you're encountering suffering in your life, I mean, by all means, mourn it. By all means, share that with your growth group. But do not equate the faithfulness of God with what you're experiencing, suffering lies. Because the story we live in says that suffering can be redemptive in a powerful, powerful way. That's my dream. That's my dream for you guys. That's my dream for this community. That we will be teleos people. Inviting people into the kingdom. Not afraid of discipleship. Not convinced that like, look, we're always going to be Right? People who could say, man, sometimes winning looks like losing, and vice versa. Amen? Now, let me, tell you, let me talk about some specifics. I think that if we were a church full of teleos people, that we would look a certain way. And these are my hopes. So this is, Mar- this is where Mark said, look, don't, don't focus on the details, don't focus on how to get there, just tell them. So I'm telling you. I I hope and I dream that we would all embrace the idea of like, look, if people don't get invited to the kingdom, they may not show up. And so we would live out lives of invitation. And we would just say, you know what? I'm going to walk around and I'm always going to look for who needs to come into this kingdom to hear that God loves them. And they would live it as a lifestyle. I don't want to have an evangelism department at E3. I don't want to have a minister of evangelism. I want to have five or 600 ministers of evangelism. And we do that through radical hospitality, opening our doors on Sunday and saying, man, come in. We want everything to be about you if you're a guest. Because, hello, most of us have been sitting in church for a long time. You know, we don't necessarily need to hear another message, but somebody who's never been before, they might. So we re- reframe our thinking, and we go, you know what? We're going to do whatever we can to make people who have never been here before comfortable so that they can hear the love of God. us people, my other dream for E3 is about growth groups, and, and we're doing so many cool things already in growth groups. We're getting traction in this area. This is kind of one of these Eric sort of pragmatic dreams this is the way I think. I think in systems some way. I want people, I want the connection between a Sunday and, a, and an attendance at a growth group to be frictionless. So that a person walks in here and if they feel any inkling of I want to go to a growth group, it's whoosh, they're sitting in somebody's living room on a Sunday or in Monday, whatever night that is. Any person that walks into this place, any person that checks out our website, any person that picks up the phone and says, hello, E3 office staff person, I need some help, that they would say, you need to be in a growth group. And they'd say, okay, help me. And then 30 seconds later, that person has all the information they need. And I want to be a church of groups, not with groups. I want to be a church of groups, not with groups. I don't want this to be an add-on. I want this to be the DNA, that if you want to know what life is like at E3, if you ask any owner or any person, any stakeholder in this place, they'd say, well, you got got to be in a growth group, if you really want to know. Oh, and trust me, you want to know. Last thing I dream about is in terms of service. I increasingly want to see our group serving together as a part of our culture. I would love to see culture where growth groups sit around to their leader and go, hey, a leader person, it's been a few weeks since we've served. Can you go find us a service project to get involved in? I've been, I've been that. Man, it's really annoying when, you're, when your group's like, hey, would you, uh, would you get off your butt and go lead us into this? But that's what I dream, that it's so ingrained in our culture. That's just what we do. I dream that our facility is stewarded well. You know, that when any owner or stakeholder walks onto this campus, they see a piece of trash in the parking lot, they go, oh, man, this is not good. They pick it up. They walk in here on a Sunday because, hello, I just want to let you know, we don't have a facilities person. We don't. I mean, we have very limited dollars, and we have somebody who works very diligently to do what they can, but they're not full-time. You know, he can only do so much. I would love it if people would walk here on a Sunday and not leave it to the the facility guy or the staff, but they see cobwebs in the corner and they go, oh man, there's a cobweb in the corner. And we have guests coming today. Guess what? It's your house. It's not just my house. We all share in this. I also dream that that soon we'll just take a, a, a little pin where E3 is, and, we're gonna, and we draw a radius around E3, and we go, you know what? Not only are we gonna keep serving in Frenchtown, but we're gonna draw a radius around our campus right here, and we're gonna say, this is our home. How can we start investing in this community? What ways can we impact not just Frenchtown, not just globally, but how can we impact right here at 1184 Capital Circle Northeast? I wanna send more teams globally, and I planted a thought in, in Michael and Carl's head. Look, there's some places in the United States that might need us as well. You know, I, I, I get burdened in my heart for, for Native American people and, and life on the reservation. I don't know, I don't know if that will take shape or not. But I think it would be really cool. Or really cool to respond to disasters right in our neck of the woods. Southeast. Maybe we could get better at leveraging like, people, like, man, there's a disaster, whatever, wherever, you know, Mississippi, Alabama, you know, just go. Those are my dreams. That's where I want to go. And if, it, and if it's not, oh, and one last thing. This is my thing, too. Uh, my dream is I want to develop cross-cultural partnerships with another church in, in Tallahassee. Where we can go and learn how other folks do church. And we can invite a preacher who doesn't look anything like me into this space and let you hear a different version, a version of the kingdom of God. And then maybe I can go do that as well. And we're pursuing. That's just my dream. You're invited into it. That's my dream. If it doesn't, if it's not evident, I can't do this without you guys. I mean, I can, I can go pursue partnerships and I can go on mission trips, but, you know, I can't do this without you. We can't do this without you. I want you to be a part of this dream. I do. This future will not take shape no matter how hard I pray or how hard I, I work or how hard I, I, I push or encourage the staff. It's not gonna happen like that. The only way it happens is if all of us say, I'm owning it, and I'm in. And let's go make these dreams reality. Let's become teleos people, mature people, right? And I want to leave you on this note. Uh, I got the the autobiography of Bruce Springsteen for Christmas, and I just finished it a couple weeks ago. One of the last things he says in the book, he's talking about his family and he said this phrase that jumped out at me he said i work to be an ancestor and in the context of what he's saying he says look i'm doing this for my children and he's not talking about his songwriting he's talking about his life he's talking about changing the narrative of your life and I want to tell you i don't do this for me i do this to be an ancestor because hello I'm not getting any younger. Time's not moving backwards anytime soon. And we're going to have to hand this thing off to the next generation. Right? And I want to hand it off as something that's full of teleos people. And let me tell you something else. Some of you guys may have heard this before, and and you're sitting around, and you're like, oh, yeah, you know what? Soon. Soon I'm going to get off my tail and help. Soon. So one of the things I shared with Emily last Saturday is uh, I'm just sharing my heart here. I didn't know that when she left uh, when she left our house in August, I didn't know that she might not ever be coming back. You see, I thought, hey, sending you away for nine months to go to school. You'll come back. We'll get another summer together. There's still things that I'm going to be able to do because it's not the last time yet. And so, man, when you drop your daughter off at her first apartment, all of a sudden I realized my last time may have already passed. And you never know when your last time is going to be, right? Right? Like, you never know when your last Sunday at E3 is going to be your last Sunday. And I'm not talking about just morbidly. But understand, anything can happen. One of the most clarifying things I started, that I ever received when I started wrapping my head around the fact that I'm going to die soon. Everybody dies. So what am I going to do with the time that I have? But it's not just about that. You can get a business call. Your life could change in a a couple days. So I'll just ask you, if you're a part of this community and you've been waiting, what are you waiting for? You might be waiting on me to resign. God might lead me that way, but as far as I know, it ain't happening anytime soon. So if you want to be a part of a teleos community, if you want to be a teleos person, the only thing I can say is, man, you don't know when your last time is going to be. To give, to get involved in a group, to serve, to turn your life over to God, you don't know when your last time is coming. I almost sound like a fire and brimstone preacher, but it's not about that. It's just about saying, man. Man. If you've ever wanted to contribute somewhere, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Because soon you might be looking at it in the rearview mirror and said, Man, I had my season. And now it's gone. So I'm working to be an ancestor starting now. And I'm asking you, whether you're 20, 30, 50, 60, 70, I'm asking you. Will you work with me to be an ancestor to this community so that sometime in the future, somebody will be sitting here in 2030 or whatever, and they go, man, you those people back in 2017, they did us right. They set us up to win. Let's stand for closing prayer.